0: Welcome to Financial Food for Thought, the show that answers all the questions on how to
1: maximize your lifestyle and preserve your wealth. Good morning, everyone. You're listening to Financial Food for Thought. We're here every Saturday morning on 1420 between 9 and 10. We're a financial educational program here to give you helpful information that can impact your financial life, whether you're working or someone who is already retired, um, we are sponsored by the Estate Planning Team, and the Estate Planning Team is an affordable, fee-based fiduciary planning firm that's been around Cleveland more than 35 years, helping people solve problems, save money, and use the opportunities and avoid traps in the complicated tax code. And what the Estate Ta- Planning Team does is build financial models and projections so that people know, are they underspending, overspending, when they can afford to retire, or if you retired any date, what does that translate to what kind of lifestyle you can have in your retirement years. And we take into account income expenses, different inflation rates for different types of expenses, discretionary um, taxes, and so much more. And we also provide people with objective, unbiased analysis when they're faced with a financial decision and not really sure um, what they should be doing. We offer a free consultation either by phone or in person to see if our services are appropriate for you and then can give you some options. And again, we offer that free consultation either by phone or in person. And if you're interested, um, you can call 440-239-2090, leave a message and we will call you back on Monday, or you can send an email through our website. The website is financialfoodforthought.com. You can contact us for a free consultation. Sign up for our newsletter, or also listen to our podcast. And you're listening this morning to Carrie Waddell and I have Mark Donnelly here too as well.
0: Yeah, good morning, Carrie. Um, so a lot, a lot to cover today, but I guess I'm going to start off and call the show. Are you sick and tired? Mm. So, Carrie, do you, when you were growing up did did your parents use that term a lot? And it would they would always start something if they weren't happy about something. They would start the comment by saying, I'm really sick and tired. And then you fill in whatever they weren't happy about. Maybe like, I'm sick and tired of coming home to the, dirty dishes in the sink all the time. Right. Or I'm sick and tired of nobody or helping telli- around here. Or
1: telling you time and time again, uh, my parents did. I use it many times, and I even have my kids. I've heard them use that right. with each other.
0: So it, it kind of grew on us, right? And, and or
1: are you sick and tired of weather? Or sick Are and you ti- sick and
0: tired of our weather? That's a good are one right now. Are you sick and
1: tired of COVID? <laughs> and literally, So now I think
0: I know the meaning, mm. because I think literally this country is sick and tired.
1: Of but, many things.
0: But literally of... The virus. I mean, I you've there's rarely that I don't talk to one of our clients or any other people in my circle that either they're sick or someone in their immediate family is sick. Okay. And also that the one of the main symptoms mm-hmm. is being tired. In, right. In, in other words, not being at a hundred percent energy.
1: Well, that's true because we have the flu going around this year. A lot of people i know who have colds that are covid negative
0: so it, it's something that um
1: maybe mentally maybe ohio grace guys make us tired. well i
0: you know are you sick and tired of politics yes are you sick and tired of the inflation
1: yes discussions biden Bi- <laughs> that's politics Call, right?
0: calling a, a calling the poor peter ducey a ssob you heard that right oh,
1: no i did not
0: so Biden this week was caught on a hot mic, and Peter Doocy, who's the Fox reporter, asked. And 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 quite frankly, the the question it was a dumb question.
1: Okay, but then that's a stupid question. How about just saying yeah, that?
0: Because he he said, you know, his question was something like, "Do you think inflation?" can be a political risk to you coming in the midterm, something along those lines.
1: Well, no, he, oh, he's saying if you don't get a, under control, do you think that's like political suicide? I don't know that well, that's a dumb question. Yeah, I think it was actually... Maybe it's an obvious question? It's a
0: rhetorical question, but I think yeah. it's even beyond that. I think his question was exactly, do you think inflation is a political liability? And he shouted it out. It was. It, and Biden wasn't supposed to take that question. And then <laughs> under the hot mic... He said I, I I you know he it's a, i'm surprised you hadn't heard about it, Gary because it mm-hmm. made the news and
1: i I'm trying to limit and my and he political basically news.
0: said you know inflation uh, how can inflation be positive what a stupid s o b and it caught it was caught on a hot mic and I and so but again, my point is Ducey, It was a he could have asked the question a different way. Right. I mean, obviously, that's a rhetorical question.
1: I think he was kind of, uh, and, unless it was meaningful to see how he well, would respond. Unless he
0: was trying to appease, like, the right-wing conspirators who, who think that the Democratic Socialist Party is looking for inflation to devalue the dollar, to, to bring unstability to the U.S. economy, to collapse it so the Great Reset gets done.
1: Hmm. Who knows? We don't know.
0: So if you're in that camp, well, then maybe that's what Ducey was trying to appease. Yeah, I but have I, no but, idea. But if he really thought that it was a it was a serious question that Biden and let's say the Democrats think that inflation, if inflation does not subside before November, that that's good for them at the polls. I, I mean, really, Ducey, you really think? Yeah, I,
1: yeah, and, I think it was an intentionally. So but my, you, I was going to say, aren't there. Question screened anyway for biden
0: it was it was off script that's what i'm saying this was a weird type of conference. you have to watch the video carrie but okay um but but the idea is i don't think either one of them I, I don't think the question was a professional reporter's question and i don't think biden's response was very presidential
1: i don't think biden's in general is very presidential so
0: can we just move on but it, but it inflate now So we'll talk about inflation. There's a lot of people. Are you sick and tired of hearing about inflation? Are you sick and tired because you're so worried about inflation?
1: Or, yeah, you're sick and tired of paying more.
0: All right. Um, Are you, you know, sick and tired of Russia?
1: Yeah, that's that's scary.
0: Are you sick and tired of China?
1: I think we've all been sick and tired of China for a while. All right. Um, or,
0: like I said, are you sick and tired of working? Are you going to join the Great Resignation? Do you know if you can afford the great the, to retire right now? Do you know or are you thinking that because of the inflation, because of the economic risk, that you were planning on retiring soon and now you can't?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. Um, so there's a lot of things that, but back to the literal sense of it, Are you sick and tired because you either have contracted the virus and it's a long haul? In other words, I hear stories about people saying, I it takes me a month to get over. It takes Mm -hmm. me six weeks to get over it. I'm tired all the time. Um, You know, I'm sick all the time. I don't you know. And 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 now we've got the next variant. Right. It's come to the US. What
1: did they say? Epidemiologists and other people are saying we're going to continue to have variants.
0: Right, so that's the BA.2. So,
1: uh, yeah, I just it's, don't even and,
0: and you know, four states have already reported cases, California, Mexico, mm-hmm. Texas, and Washington. Um, I don't know how serious it is. I don't know. It, it, you know, are you sick and are you sick and tired of all the talk about the vaccines? Yes.
1: I'm sick and t- tired of all the talk about it.
0: All right. So, is, so that's the backdrop going in. I tell you what, that one thing I'm sick and tired of, January
1: I, mm, we're almost done
0: is unbelievable. I mean, what happened? We had the Santa Claus. Around. Everything was going good. And then January came and boom. Um, now, you know, correction territory. Are you sick? And are you worried about the next economic downturn? Um, we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, are you sick with the Fed speak? Are you mm. sick and tired of the Fed speak? So that made big news to see when uh, Fed Chair Jerome Powell, you know, again, came out and basically kind of said what.
1: We're raising rates. Yeah.
0: And, you know, the. the Yeah. So what did he say? this was at his you know, the two day policy meeting um, where they signal where they think monetary policy will be heading, you know, in the coming months. Here's some of the quotes. With inflation well above 2% and a strong labor market, the committee expects it will soon be appropriate to raise the target range for the federal funds rate, the central bank said Wednesday. Okay, um, Adding that balance sheet reduction will commence after the process of increasing the target range for, for the federal funds rates once that has begun. Um, Fed chair told reporters that the committee is of mind to raise the federal fund rates at the March meeting. That's coming soon, Kerry. If conditions merit such an action, Um, but his implication was that bearing a significant change in economic circumstances, a March rate hike is a go more significant than this confirmation of the central bank's previously implicit thinking was Powell's refusal to rule out a 50 basis point, a 0.5 percentage point hike in March. Indeed, when asked about the prospect of such an increase, the Fed chair noted the tightness of the current labor market and measured by the ratio of job openings to unemployed workers. So he 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 pretty much said the March hike is a go. He's not really saying or he actually he is saying that they haven't decided yet whether it would be a 25 basis point or a 50 basis point. You know how quickly they're going to do it. And he also left the door open that there may be more. Hikes during this year, meaning 2022, than what they were first saying. So, so one time the consensus was that there's going to be three to four hikes. I would say, Carrie, today the the uh, you know experts' consensus is that they've upped that to five or six.
1: That's a lot in one year.
0: That is a lot, and 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 the thing about that is that the more hikes that will occur. As well as how much twenty-five or fifty basis points, that is in direct confront- confrontation to making a navigating a soft landing. Mm-hmm. In other words, the the that's it's an inverse relationship. The more hikes, the less they're going to make the soft landing. Meaning that they're going to they they're too far behind the eight ball. They can't catch up fast enough. They're going to slam on the brakes, which means U.S. recession. And that's the risk. And And historically, the Federal Reserve doesn't have a great winning record about navigating soft landings. You know, and, and this time, you know, we thought maybe this time was different. We know that the reason for the economic hardship this time was different, the coronavirus and the mandatory, you know, the world shut down in the supply chain and then the trillions of dollars in stimulus that was falling into our laps and we all went out and did revenge spending and you know and all that but it's still the idea that you know a lot of people thinking now is okay i don't know if now if the federal reserve will be successful in navigating a soft landing so should i be preparing at least from an economic or a financial modeling standpoint, am I going to be okay if it happens this year?
1: Maybe you will, maybe you're not. Do you know how to know if you're going to be okay in the long term? Most people don't know. That's why they worry. They don't know how a market downturn, how inflation is going to affect them 10 years down the road or some of their future financial plans or their discretionary income. I mean, people want to know based on what I want to do, am I going to run or how long does my money last or am I going to run out of money? And that's where the estate planning team can help. And that's what we do. We're not investment advisors, although we do look at risk, growth and tax efficiency. And for our clients, do they know what growth rate they need to be okay? And some people... Love that all the great returns, which is good for them in the market, but are they taking on more risk than necessary than to to accomplish their financial goals? Do you know what growth rate you really need? So take advantage of a free consultation, either by phone or in person, to see if you can benefit from our services at 440-239-2090. That's 440 239 2090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com. Hey,
0: listen to Mark Dowling, and Carrie Waddell, and we're the owners of the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families build custom financial plans for over 35 years. We do it one plan, one family at a time. And over those decades, Gary, we've never had to deal with 7% handle on inflation. No. So it's a new for a lot of you listeners out there, certainly a lot of our clients, baby boomers, you weren't responsible for paying bills 40 years ago where we had this right. type of inflation. That's how long it's been since we had this level of inflation. And so how, you know, you might have, you know, even though you might have been making conservative estimates about what inflation factor is, you probably weren't budgeting in seven percent for last year right and and so the question is what do you do from here um but what are some other signs or things we can pick up from the economy that says maybe things are still okay where a lot of people today are saying yeah the economy is fine we you know gdp came out you know we're taping the okay. show on friday morning and we got the first read of fourth quarter gdp It came in at 6.9 percent, far out out, out expecting the the expectations of 5.5 percent. All right? Um, Now- That is a
1: big difference for GDP.
0: Now, for the year now, because this is the fourth quarter, so the year- the GDP is up 5.7%. See, a lot of people say, if we've got a 5%, remember we were struggling to try to get a 3% GDP? Yeah. And if we have a 5.7% GDP, maybe that is enough to, to starve off a, a, a stagflation, certainly, but pr- perhaps even a a, a a recession, more or less stagflation, what we had back in the 70s. So that was very positive. Um, also, we said we would keep an eye on the corporate earnings. So we're, we're we're getting we're right now we're in the fourth quarter earnings period, the reporting period, mm-hmm. right? And it's, and it, but it's it, but the fourth quarter lo- is looked at a little bit differently, Carrie, because now it's kind of capping the year, so to speak, right? And it, we're getting the data in the new year, you know. Mm-hmm. So so it, it 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 takes on a little bit different significance. So how has that been going? Because we said if we, see the cor- if we see the U.S. corporations, if they can hang in there and if they still can get bottom line earnings and, and increase revenues.
1: That's a good sign. We're
0: keeping this economy rolling. They're and not
1: it, laying off people. It's the opposite. Companies can't well, get enough employees. Or they
0: have to raise. We've got a price spiral going on. Which, and can they navigate that? Or is that going to bring them down? And, of course, we know a lot of businesses will never come back from the Roanoke shutdown. They're done. Okay? But a lot of businesses have been doing very, very well. Mm -hmm. Just look at Zoom, for example. Right. right? Uh, Now, so, so how have the fourth quarter earnings? So, so far in this season... Still, the, the if we, let's let's talk about the S and P five hundred companies. Carry right, they're beating analyst earnings expectations, but at a much lower percentage than they have been over the past year. See, see, now we're looking at the trend, right? So, with about I think it's about one hundred and forty five earning reports in when I, you know looking at at this point, about three point two percent are coming in above expectations, but that's well below the average of sixteen percent beating over the last four quarters, Mm -hmm. okay? And the long-time average of about 4.1%, one percent—that's goes back to about 1994. So what is it saying? Some of this beach ball bounce recovery is now falling off. Um, Let's see. um, Some 79% of the companies have reported earnings above expectations compared to about 84% for full season over the past four quarters. But it's also the... What we're seeing is that, you know, when I sometimes I play the earnings game carry when I say, you know, if they beat earnings per share or if they beat revenues. And then that a lot of times we see, well, how does the market treat that? You know, how do they penalize them if they miss, right? In terms of what happens to their stock price. Right. So this is something else. So it's not only whether this time around, I seem that a lot of the news isn't whether or not they beat earnings or they beat revenues. What's almost as important, if not more important, is forget about that in the past. What we really want to know, what the street really wants to know, is are they giving forward guidance to what's going to happen this year? See, we're in a different year now. So we know we had the inflation last year. Right. Was, see, at the beginning of last year, no one knew. What will inflation be? Is it going to be three, four, five, six, seven? You know, a member of the Fed just said we're willing to let it float above two. Right. Well, I don't think everybody expected it to be seven. Right. All right. Um, now, but now, so now the issue is, are you going to make it with the inflation, meaning the companies? So what's your forward guidance? Now, remember, during the the Rona shutdown, a lot of companies just gave up giving, giving forward guidance, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it was just no way to do it.
1: You can't. Yeah, they just didn't know.
0: Okay, Um, so now what we see is even if what I'm noticing in these in these in this fourth quarter earnings is even if the company beat EPS and revenues, if they gave negative foreign guidance, they got clobbered. Netflix is a good example, Carrie. Right. Okay. So Netflix beat both, you know, um, both the uh, the the EPS and on, you know, revenues. Okay, Um, But. They dropped a bomb, okay, and they they made a comment that the for projecting out their own, that what they were projecting now for new subscribers
1: mm-hmm.
0: is two point five million. Okay, the street was looking for close to seven million. Mm. Ouch! That's
1: not even half.
0: Twenty percent market. The, the stock got hit twenty percent immediately. All right, um, but I don't think CEO Reed Hastings' comment helped them a whole lot. So what his comment was, it's it's re- it's definitely frustrating for us the current slower growth. That's really not a battle plan.
1: But also, wouldn't you want to focus on I don't know retaining your current customers because you can't. There's only a limit. But there's number. no
0: new revenues there unless you right. double your price. I mean that's the problem right. with the subscribe the right. subscription f- things.
1: Right, there's only a certain pool of people that want your service anyway, and then it's not like you're going to continue to create new people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that was. Eventually,
1: the it's going to slow.
0: Um, so you know now you could. So let me give you another example: J and J Johnson and Johnson. Okay. All right. They, by the way, make one of those vaccines that everybody's so happy with, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, now. So here, they missed. Okay. Well, well, they met EPS. They came; their EPS came in at two dollars and thirteen cents. Street was looking for two twelve, so they met.
1: Okay. Okay. I'm surprised.
0: Okay. Um, revenue missed. Revenue came in at twenty four point eight billion, and the street was looking <laughs> for twenty five point twenty nine billion.
1: Oh, it's just a little bit short.
0: Okay, but their stock went up.
1: Because that's billions.
0: No, because of their forward guidance. Okay. Okay. Um, that, you know, CFO Joseph Walk told CNBC, you know, a strengthening do- dollar negatively impacted sales by 150 million to 200 million. Hospital staffing shortages caused the COVID Omicron variant also generate uncertainty. Okay. But we think it's short lived, he went on to say.
1: Okay. Um,
0: we think that the second half of 2022 will be stronger than the first half. You know, and, and and so see that was the difference,
1: and maybe it's the wording of the CEOs. I would think you'd have to carefully word those press releases,
0: right? Um, okay. How about Microsoft? You've heard of them, Carrie, right? A
1: mm, little bit. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, so they beat their earnings, beat their revenue, beat. Okay, and initially the stock went
1: down. Wonder why?
0: Okay, but then. Soon after that, they came out with a new statement on forward guidance okay and when they said, okay um, and let's see what was their what did they say exactly um, and well yeah they just the gaming component might they just they, they so basically they just came out and because of what was happening with the gaming, and you know the the how many they have one point four billion monthly active devices, do you believe that running wow. um, and and everything and all that's up so after they came out with positive forward guidance, the stock took off hmm. so so that's what's happening there, but as long as we still see that the majority of the companies you know continue to beat earnings and in somewhat not too negative a forward guidance. And they hang in there, and that for and the positive forward guidance comes to fruition and hangs in there. And GDP, I don't think GDP is going to remain at a you know five six percent clip, but if it can remain at a three to four percent clip, that may just be enough to keep us out of recession.
1: Right. Well, if you don't know what we can do for you, whether you're working or still or already retired or still working and thinking about future retirement, we can model in different inflation rates, different growth rates, um, different spending, um, and... You know, what happens when wages end? How do you create that income tax efficiently as well? um, And using opportunities and and looking at all the pieces and parts of your financial life. And how do you use those and make them as each asset as effective as possible and put more net spendable dollars in your pocket by the choices that you make? And we offer that free consultation um, by phone or in person. You can give us a call at 440-239-2090. That's 440. 2392090 or visit financialfoodforthought.com.
0: All right now the other economic data we got today was the personal consumption expenditures number and, and Carrie, that's the one that the Federal Reserve really relies on more than the Consumer Price Index when they're modeling their inflation expectations or their monetary uh, policies. So we got those numbers today. And this is, again, this, this kind of follows what happened with the CPI in the sense that when you look over year over year, what everyone wants to know is have we peaked out on this inflation or is it still going up? Now, so December year to year, so from December 2020 to December 2021, the PCE came in at 5.8%, Okay, which was slightly higher then november to november that came in at 5.7. So meaning that we haven't peaked yet. It's okay. still going up. The core came in at 4.9%, that's the highest since 1983. Okay. All right. Um also spending. So so that still gives us some data that says inflation might have not peaked out yet. But you know again, GDP as long as you know the Fed also watches that GDP and, you know, that, that you know, 6% handle on GDP, you know, the highest since 1984, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think George Orwell could have predicted that high GDP. Um, so we see. So you, there's some mixed signals in the economic data. So what do you do at home?
1: Model it in. Or I was going to say have somebody model in.
0: You don't ask your neighbor what they think inflation
1: is going to be? Well, I think it's a bad idea to do that because if your neighbor might not be worried about inflation and your neighbor might have different assets and different income streams and different expenses.
0: Well, one of the things is not only this year, you could go back and listen to our podcast going back forever. We've always talked about what can you do to protect your family from the next economic downturn. Whether you think that could be a stock market crash or whether you think it could be a, a recession. And as opposed to trying to time the market and saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to be smart enough to know when to get out and when to get back in, right? That's pretty tough to do, Kerry, right? hmm um, But how else can you approach that? Well, we always talk about the three simple steps that you can do to protect yourself, okay? Um, And one of them is, you know, rebalance your portfolio. You know, if if you're trying to be a 60-40 allocation or a 50-50 allocation, well, are you rebalancing to that? Because when, you know, we just came off three consecutive years where the S&P 500 did double-digit returns. Including, you know, the the, the twenty twenty where we had uh, the Rona recession with a quick recovery. So that's the first thing. So because and, and because fixed rates are so low, because of that, where your equity or your growth or your risk assets went up a lot higher than, and your fixed side didn't go up so much. You're out of balance now you, mm-hmm. you end up at a higher risk allocation so are you rebalancing? are you locking in those gains before we get into the next market crash or economic downturn so that's one okay um, a second one is maintain an adequate cash reserve
1: that's a big one
0: and and, and we and we've been pre and, and again we're not the only ones that preach this, but it's still we when we when we talk to new clients coming in. They kind of know that. It's kind of like one of those things that they always know they should have been done. Just like, you know, you've always heard that you, sh- you should start saving for retirement the first time you get a paycheck. We all know that, but not everyone did that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the same thing with having an adequate cash reserve. Right. Everybody knows they should have one, but not everybody does. And so today I want to kind of say, well, how does that help you if we have a rough economic time? Um, because we never know when those are going to happen.
1: And you don't know when people say, well, I don't know how much. We've talked on this show, and you can listen up about building that, and how do you know what your cash reserve should be, kind of go through a process of doing that. But right. you need to have it, you know, to you know, prepare for things that, you know, a major car rate, your furnace goes. I mean, we've had people, you know, that's the whole point of unexpected expenses. There's a market downturn. Right. And I need to raise cash. Your daughter gets divorced, and now you need to help out because she's not getting support. And we've she had has that happen. Attorney
0: bills coming. Yeah, and
1: she, you know, we've had that, and it's not a good situation.
0: No. So, and the third thing before I go on to that, but I just want to give the third one out there because I said the three. The third one is build a plan R. And that's mm-hmm. the idea of if you've got your plan A financial model and it's working. But now you're concerned about some economic event happening that could disrupt that, derail that plan. But you're not sure if that is going to really derail your retirement or not. In other words, do you need to be worried if inflation? You may not have to be worried about it. Right. Um, you know, can, Are you going to survive the next recession? Or no, you, you're going to have to cancel the trip to Hawaii. So, so building a plan R, we call that, you know, sometimes we use that for a recession or recovery. You know, the idea is you model in a worse assumption for one of those variables. In, in this case, it could be a higher inflation rate um, or it could be an economic downturn, right? And then you see what the longevity, if that has a material effect on the longevity of your financial plan. And for a lot of people, it won't have a material effect. Other people, it will, but you don't ask your neighbor.
1: And now you know, and you also know what steps you take or how to adjust to get back on track.
0: But let's get back to the second one I mentioned, which was adequate cash reserve. So, yeah. So, Carrie, you had mentioned it, a lot of people, well, how do you do Well, if you're working, a lot of times people, you get that old rule of thumb. Oh, you want six months or a year's salary or take-home pay in your right. cash reserve. Meaning that if you are laid off from work. right you have that to cover you right. until you re- get I a new job. I think
1: that's too simplified, I guess, if you really don't want to think through well, it. Well,
0: it, a couple of things. One, if you're talking about 12 months, that's a lot of money.
1: It could be, or I was just saying it really, I would think would be based on maybe 6 or 12 months of expenses might be a better way to do well, it than...
0: Well, yeah, they, they just kind of say take-home pay, which they kind of say right. is, you know, expen- you know, in other words. Um, but, yeah, but in either case... At zero interest rates, it wasn't too attractive to you to keep that much in cash, but but that's that's fine. But I'm talking about somebody who's in retirement. See, in retirement, you don't have wages. So so we
1: got Social Security, maybe pension, but that ain't going lucky. away.
0: You know, right. Social Security's not going away. So the idea is you don't consider six months of take-home pay while you're retired. We think of it differently. In in retirement, it's more of calculating what your spending gap is, meaning how much are your planned expenses, then you subtract out your fixed retirement income. Mm -hmm. Could be pensions, could be Social Security, could be an annuitized annuity, you know, something that's got the guaranteed income. Mm -hmm. And then the difference, what you're short, that's the gap, that's your spending gap. And then that's what you're saying, you know, you want to protect if... The way you were going to fill your spending gap was by taking distributions from your investments. But the old adage is you don't necessarily want to sell low. Right. Remember, you're supposed to sell when,
1: Carrie? Sell high. Buy low.
0: Right. Buy low. So you're not supposed to sell low, right? Right. Right. All right. So but But that's people
1: panic and sell low or they sell low because they don't have a cash reserve and they have to?
0: Yes. So so one of the things that protects you from having to sell low if you don't want to, because you're trying to follow that rule, is that you have an adequate cash reserve that you could make another decision on. You could say, Oh, I need to you know, I was planning on taking out X amount of money this month or next month or this quarter, however you're doing it. And, but I don't want to sell my stocks, right? You know, I could take it on my IRA, but I'm going to, have to sell stocks, and they're low right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, well, he, by having the cash reserve, you say, okay, I can make. I don't have to. I can use my cash. Mm-hmm. It's not going to cost me anything tax wise, by the way. Right. And at least I'm holding on to my stocks, giving them time to recover. At least I'm still collecting the dividends that those stocks may be paying. True. And I'll let the dividends come to help me with my cash flow.
1: Right. Instead of versus reinvesting them.
0: Um, especially if they're non-qualified, you know, because you're being taxed on those anyways.
1: So if your cash flow issue, have them sent to you.
0: Um, or if your cash reserve is low, that's right. one way to build it back up. Um, now, so so that's the idea. Now, how many months do you have then in your cash reserve? Well, our clients do a lot differently. Certainly maybe 12 months. So, you know, if you know what you were planning that you would have to take out of your nest egg. And by the way, isn't that what your nest egg's for, to take out during retirement? I thought that was what it was for.
1: Right. Yeah. You built this pile of yeah. money to use in retirement. Yeah.
0: You just don't want to have to be in a position to sell low if, if we have an economic downturn that you weren't expecting this year. So the idea is, okay, um, I'm going to keep a years of, of spending gap. Maybe you want to keep 18 months. We have clients who are going two years. Mm-hmm. I have clients who are going four years. They're really conservative. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that may be overkill. But it's not my plan. It's your plan. What gives you peace of mind? So so let's go through. This was like a, a client. And this is just kind of how it works out in the end or it, it, once you've got a plan in place. Um, all right, now and a lot of coordination of advisors going on here. You've got to get your investment advisor on board, your your CPA who, you know, is running the different tax scenarios, um as well as um the your financial planner, you know, and and to, to also make sure everybody is on board with what the plan is. Um all right, so this particular client, so in and the idea of building a, it comes down to building a cash flow projection for the current year. Now, ideally, you have that done before you enter the new year, right? right? Ideally, you've already identified what your spending gap is, how many months you want to build right. for it. And that's already sitting in your cash reserve as you're going right. into the new year. That's the ideal situation because that also by the way if you if that's a, if that economic downturn happens real quick not mm-hmm. that it could ever happen like not like in in the first month of you know the year like January you could have a stock market correction you're down 10% that could never happen right Carrie mm, it has it happened this month mm-hmm. all right um now so the idea is you've got that you're beginning the year with that 18 month I'll say uh 24 month net spending gap in your cash reserve so if anything does major happen you don't have to make a knee-jerk reaction and try to say i'm going to start selling now in other words i'm that's what the cash reserve is for it's to cover those and it could be something that you're not planning it might not be an economic downturn it may be the new automobile that you thought you didn't have to buy
1: right or, but now or, it's not worth fixing the cost to fix it uh time to buy a new car yeah it,
0: so it could be it does, i'm not it doesn't have to be only be an economic downturn right um, but in either case, the idea is, if your stocks were doing really, really well, you might not care if you were going to sell to come up with that cash, right? Because you are locking in the gains. But if the stocks, at the same time, you need that money, are doing really, really bad,
1: you really don't want to sell low,
0: you know. And and so you, you you use your cash reserve, and then by the end of the year. Hopefully, when you know when maybe October, most of the surprises are done for the year. That you can then say, okay, now I'm going to make a decision. You know, do I? How is my cash reserve holding up? Do I need to replenish it? And then make decisions there. You know, if, if we see that the economy is doing better at that point. Um, now, so this particular client, um, also part of the plan for them was that. They were both over 65, you know, not at required minimum yet. And so part of their plan was they were looking at maxing out a certain tax threshold. And then by maxing that out, meaning how much of an IRA distribution could they do to mm-hmm. max out that threshold that would then give them. If And by the way, if that if that was more than what they needed for their spending, then the excess, they were just going to convert over to Roth IRA.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, that's a classic. You know, you've heard a lot about Roth conversions, and that's kind of a lot of our clients are doing that. They're, they're saying, okay, because they've already said, you know, I'm worried that income tax rates are going up in the future. Um, I've got, you know, I, I, I want to get out of, you know, leaving a big IRD to my kids. Um, I like the idea of a Roth IRA. It's a it's another source that I can get my hands on money later on tax free.
1: Right, and it's tax free if something happens to me that goes tax free to my beneficiaries.
0: And right, no idea. And if I don't need the money, I don't need. I, there's no required minimum if it's my Roth IRA. I don't have to take it out if right. I don't want to.
1: And it's tax free growth.
0: And the more I get and the more Roth conversions I'm doing, in other words, I'm converting my existing IRA to Roth IRA before my RMDs begin, I'm theoretically lowering my future RMDs.
1: Which a lot of times can throw people up through different thresholds or Medicare B premiums, the IRMA adjustment and other things. And it's looking at all of those variables in the big picture.
0: So this particular client, what he what they what we were planning was that the threshold that he was trying to max out was the zero percent long term capital gains rate mm-hmm. and the zero percent qualified dividend rate. All right. Now for twenty twenty two, you know, married filing jointly, that's eighty-three thousand three hundred and fifty dollars of taxable income, Carrie. Okay. Not AGI. See, you not only have to know the numbers on the threshold, you gotta know what that threshold is based on. Right. Is it adjusted gross income? Is it modified adjusted gross income? Is it taxable income? Meaning after standard deductions, for example so 83,000 and because that means any dividends, qualified dividends and any capital gains that he was going to use to help give him his spending, right? Mm-hmm. would still be taxed at zero. All right. So, now to get to his number, so that's the taxable income, you know. And by the way, single person, it's 41,675 if you're doing this single. Okay. Um, the zero percent long-term capital gain rate. So back to the married jointly, eighty-three thousand three hundred fifty plus their standard deduction this year. You know they're both over sixty-five, is going to be twenty-eight thousand seven hundred.
1: Okay. So
0: they're So let's just call it one hundred and twelve thousand. Okay. So they figure, hey, I, that's my. I can create one hundred and twelve thousand, and still be in that zero percent capital gain rate, long-term capital gain rate. That's my part. That's my goal. That's my plan.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Now their spending gap was about thirty-five thousand dollars. Annually.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Um, And they wanted, and they had two years of that put away. They had 70 grand. All right. So now, so, um, and then part of that, um, you know, that, you know, part of what they were going to take out of the IRAs, okay it was like 60,000, right, Carrie? So okay. they were going to say that's how much they could take IRAs out, out of their IRAs to get up to that, that 112.
1: Right. And they weren't looking at spending, they were looking out maxing out that zero capital gains.
0: Right. And they knew though that they needed probably about 35 of that for spending.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: Um that's that one year spending gap, right? Right. Okay. Um but that still left you know, like 25,000 Additional IRA distributions. Mm-hmm. That's what they were going to convert over to Roth. Right. Okay.
1: But they knew that was a plan for 2022.
0: Right. That was the plan going into 2022. Mm-hmm.
1: All
0: right. Um, now, so what happens, though, right? Well, you get into the situation now where, uh-oh, we've had a 10% correction. And maybe it's done. I don't know what the market's doing today. Let's say we're taping the show on Friday. I don't know where the market's going, but the idea is. But let's say we it gets worse. All right, so now they have some. What are they going to do? So the question is, well, when do they start needing that to come up with the cash for their spending? Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, this is where the cash reserve protects them because they have it already. You know they they were you know they already have the seventy thousand. So, if something comes now, that's keeping them going right now. Mm-hmm. They're just, they don't want to sell and take out the IRAs right now. Now, one of the things, though, also, though, that what, you know, is you've got to kind of plan in is how you're paying your taxes during the year. And I probably won't have time to get into that, Gary. Right. But remind me, I'll, I'll maybe I'll talk that uh, 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 next week. So that's so a lot of times that's what people are doing. They're saying some of the cash flow I need during the year is I got to pay my quarterly estimates. Right. Other people say, well, I'm going to handle my, instead of paying quarterly estimates, I'm just going to do withholding on IRA distributions. You know, there's a lot of, we talk right. a, a lot of different planning going around that. That's, what, you know, and again, it, it, that's But I don't know if I'm going to get that today. Um, but so the idea is saying, all right, now I've got it set up where, okay, well, I'm a little bit shaky about what what this market's going to do. And I don't want to have to sell low. I want the Billy you know, I do believe if we do have a market crash right. or a U.S. recession, and a lot of things could tip that out. I mean, geopolitical could shake up the market, right? If if Russia goes to war, you know, China, whatever, you know, it's crazy. But so so the idea is, all right, I don't know if I'm going to sell my stocks low if I don't really have to because I've got my cash reserve that I can use. And then maybe by the second half of the year, if I'm knowing a better situation of whether this potential bad thing happened or not, and let's say it didn't happen, Mm -hmm. then I'll go ahead and do the planned distribution. Right. Or I may, you know, sometime during the year, you you know, look at that. If you're not sure, some years you may want to just dollar cost average, you know, different people do different ways. But let's say, you know, you're in the campus saying, oh, I don't want to sell low. I think it is happening this year. I don't want to do that. I'm going to use my cash reserve. Well, what about the Roth conversion?
1: That was still part of the plan. You knew the amount.
0: You had the target amount, 25000 Now, this is one that maybe you do definitely want to execute when the market's way down. Mm-hmm. Because when you think about it, right now, let's say your plan—and by meaning where the coordination of advisors comes in—is that this client they had a plan with their investment advisor. They knew which assets they wanted to move over from the IRA to the Roth IRA. Correct. And it was, and they were targeting growth assets, mm-hmm. their risk assets, because that's where they felt they were going to get the biggest bang for their tax-free buck in the long-term growth in a Roth IRA. Right. Okay, so they weren't going to move over cash. They weren't going to move over bonds. They were planning on moving stock. Right. Okay. Um, now, and they were going to, so they, they weren't looking to change their holdings. So in other words, you know, and let's just say they identified ABC Corporation is the stock that they were going to move. And they were, the the dollar amount was 25000 And at the time we were planning it, that would let's just say that did a hundred shares, just in my simple example. So the plan was to move a hundred shares of XYZ Corporation over to the Roth IRA, and mm-hmm. then we figured it was going to be a twenty-five thousand dollars tax cost, right? Because, because, you know, as you know, as you do a Roth conversion, the amount you are converting over is taxable. Mm-hmm. But that was part of the overall.
1: That was threshold. the plan anyway,
0: right? So now you see, and 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 now normally we would recommend that you might not want to trigger the Roth conversion too early in the year. Right. In case there are other surprises that happen during the year. You know, because again, when you know when they took away the recharacterization of Roth conversions, that took away that that do over.
1: So you have to be careful.
0: And a lot of times I would say, well you better wait maybe to the end of the year to make sure there is something else is going to change your mind. But in certain years, if if you're ready to go and you see a big, huge drop, and and you can act quickly because your investment advisor has already identified what asset to move over, and
1: you've already set up a Roth account, so the paperwork's done. So for them, it's sometimes just a quick because click of a now, button. let's
0: say there is a ten percent correction, which basically right. we just had, you know, now it's not going to cost you twenty five thousand, right, to move that over. It's tax wise, is going to cost you twenty two thousand five hundred. So you just save some taxes because if you were planning on just you weren't going to sell in a panic anyways. So you were going to let that ABC stock just re you know, recover.
1: You're going to keep it for the long haul.
0: But if you left that recovery inside the IRA, all you're doing is recovering tax deferred growth. Right. In other words, and and, and perhaps when you do take it out later on, maybe much later on,
1: it's going to be worth a lot more.
0: It's going to be taxes, ordinary income. Mm-hmm. And maybe at a higher ordinary income tax rate. For example, when President Trump's lower tax rates expire at the end of 2025. All right. Now, but by converting now, you're converting over to Roth. Now you're going to hold on to that same stock mm-hmm. for the long, haul. Now all that recovery
1: is tax free, is coming
0: back tax free
1: versus leaving it as ordinary income.
0: Plus, you've lowered your future required minimum.
1: Plus, it actually left you wiggle room on the tax return if there is a surprise later in the year, since we don't have the recharacterization. Because instead of assuming twenty five thousand conversion, that's the twenty two thousand five hundred,
0: or even we ha- remember we haven't done the second piece. I remember it was going to be a total of a sixty thousand dollar IRA right. distribution. So there's plenty of room still, right? Uh, you know, for another, you know, right. another surprise. But here's the other thing: or, care, you go the other way. You could say, well, I was already. Calculating a $25,000 tax hit. Right. So I can do more than 100 shares.
1: So I'm going to do whatever, what is that mathematically? I
0: don't math, You got that fuzzy. Math so if you there, can then. do
1: that same, right, more shares. So it's taking advantage of times when the market's good or not so good, there's opportunities for Roth conversions.
0: Right. And, and that is something that our clients have been doing anytime that they're in that planning stage where. Roth conversions as part of the annual plan, and they our clients know that recessions happen. Mm-hmm. That they're 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 getting all their advisors on board and saying, if it does happen, what is going to be our action?
1: And we have clients in similar situations that may say that we know the amount. Maybe when there's a down market, they're going to do half. Or two thirds, or maybe not all of it, because they're just gonna watch and see, but at least taking it in. Because what if the market comes back quickly, that same twenty five thousand might be worth thirty. Right. By the end of the year or more.
0: So that's a situation where having a financial plan, even if it's not a good one, maybe better than no plan at all. Right. Kind of like the mask, Gary. Aren't they saying right now that cloth mask is Better than no mask at all, even though it's not that good. I don't know, right, but um, but so so that's the idea of saying okay, I've got a plan, but any any plan that you have, it the idea is when reality changes an assumption that you made, you don't just you you're active about it. We're very active planners at the State mm-hmm. Planning Team. We, we try to get the communication going with your other advisors so everybody's on the same page. Uh, brainstorming, because that, by the way, is a good way to come up with possible solutions mm-hmm. to what may be coming.
1: Or what you're worried about. How do we address it?
0: Right. And the idea of saying, yeah, what we thought we were going to do may be changing based on things we can't control out there. But that be active about it as opposed to just staying at home and complaining about it or missing these opportunities where you can make some lemonade out of some lemons.
1: All right. Call the estate planning team at 440-239-2090 or visit FinancialFoodForThought.com. All right.
0: So stay safe, be warm, and we'll see you. The Olympics are starting next week.